0: Welcome once again to the Aladino podcast, and here I am, Aladino, and with Patricia. Hello, Patricia. Hello.
1: How are you?
0: Doing great. So, are you excited for today's show?
1: Yes, I am. We have two guests, I oh, know. I'm sorry. Why I'm saying that? I don't know. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we have so many.
0: We have so many. That are you excited for today's show?
1: Of course, I am. I'm always excited, excited for the show. Yes, for so a new podcast.
0: I know. And today we have a special guest. Uh, Stephanie Hardy. You guys going to hear about Stephanie Hardy. Has a lot of interesting information and something that, you know, is good to learn every day. So something that we didn't know before, something new. So that's why you're tuning in and you're listening. And thank you again for listening to the Aladino podcast. Uh, thank you for the very welcome donations. I appreciate it very much. And uh, we are uh, everywhere you listen to your podcasts. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Red Circle, all the podcasts out there. So please uh, tune in, listen to our podcast, and also you can catch some clips of the video interviews on YouTube, Podcasts and YouTube. And email us, email us, aladinopodcasts at gmail.com. You want to be part of the show, you want to bring your conversation, you want to bring your opinions, you want to talk, you want to exercise your First Amendment right, we are open doors for you.
1: So, Patricia. Yes, Paladino.
0: Tell me about what's going on in New York City.
1: Oh, it's very hot in New York City. (laughs) Everybody is melting. Now I wish I had a pool or was living next to the beach. But this is Manhattan, so you do what you have to do.
0: Here we are. We are welcoming Stephanie. Hardy. We already did a little bit of your introduction. Uh, We talked to our audience uh, that we're going to meet somebody who is, uh, first of all, an archivist. That's how you pronounce it? Mm -hmm. Archivist. And you work at the University of Virginia.
2: University, Southern Virginia University.
0: Southern Virginia University. Awesome. Awesome. So tell us a, a little bit about your job. What is exactly your type of job? What do you do at the university?
2: Okay, um, I have a couple of roles at the university. The primary one is I'm the library director, but within that, I also work with the archives and any kind of an institution can have archives. You know, the particular one I work at is an academic at a college, but a lot of businesses keep their own archives. Individuals keep archives with their own family histories. Local history centers have them. So archives are pretty well spread across a lot of different
0: industries. That's amazing. And then uh, on the archives, uh, what exactly was the most uh, the biggest treasure that you have archived so far in the university?
2: Oh, my gosh. Um, we've had some fun ones. Probably, I think my favorite one we have is a Bible that was published in 1610. It's a Geneva Bible. And wow. oh, it's, it's in beautiful condition.
0: That's amazing. And who wrote it? Do you know?
2: Um, It's it's called the Geneva Bible. So it was published in Geneva. It was actually published in English. So it predates the King James version of a Bible.
1: So if I would like to see the Bible, what would be my steps? Like, what would would I have to do in order to actually see it? And is it possible for a regular person to walk in and say, okay, I would like to see it. Can I touch it? Or are you not allowed that?
2: Yeah, and that really depends between institutions. What we do is... Yes, we are open for the general public to come in. And most archivists feel this way. The materials there, while a lot of them are old and rare, we want people to be able to see them and experience them And be able to interact with them. So in the case of this, you know, we have certain protocols in place we would ask people to make sure their hands are clean. Mm -hmm. Don't bring your salami sandwich in with you, you know, keep that (laughs) outside in the Nevergroom. But yes, it would be something where you'd call an archives and you'd say, I'm interested in seeing this material. What are your your policies? And most of them will say, oh yes, we have appointment, you know, Tuesday at two o'clock. Is that a good time for you to come in? And they're happy to show you things. And like for us, I love to show people things that we have of old records of the school, of things, local history that had happened in the area, um, things like that. So it's a lot of fun. Um, A lot of people think that you go into an archives, you're supposed to wear white gloves to touch everything. And for some things, yes, that's true. But a lot of things like with paper, you don't want to have gloves on because you can't feel the paper and you can't tell if you're how you how you're turning the pages or how you're tearing it. Mm-hmm. So with this particular Bible, one time I had someone come in who was studying religion and they're like, well, I just want to see how something that happened in the New Testament, how it was written in that Bible compares to the standard King James that they're working in. So it was really fun to sit there with them and go through and read those pieces of scripture and look at it and do that comparison.
0: And this one the Bible that uh, King James uh, banned it as a seditious Bible in sixteen
2: eleven It was considered seditious because you know they at that time, and this is what's really interesting about archives, people think that they're dusty and boring, they're really not. Um, people think that history just kind of plods along at this very slow pace, and it doesn't, and it changes so much. So things that were at one time considered we can't let the general public touch this because they'll know something. This is actually, like you are saying, like with a Bible being seditious and you don't want it printed in English because then the common people could read it, right? It wasn't just the purview of the priests. And that made it very controversial at
0: the time. But was that written by the Protestants back in the English
2: it time? Trans- it was translated by Protestants. Translated
0: yes. by Protestants. So those, because of then then they wanted to spread out the word so that's why maybe the king uh, banned it because he doesn't want the people to wake up and know the word of god right
2: Uh, probably so yes i mean there's a lot there i'm not as much of a religious scholar so i could be getting this wrong so if some of your listeners are great religious scholars i hope they correct me but um but that is very much what i've always heard too is that they wanted their version of history to come out
0: because yes go ahead
2: Oh, I was gonna say, and this still happens today within archives, there'll be materials in an archives that people don't want, whatever group in power with politics, religion, um, whatever it is, they don't want a certain story to come out. So they don't want people to be able to access things where archivists and libraries are very much in the business of we want information to flow very freely. We want everybody to have access to content so that they can study it, make their own decisions. And it is true. Sometimes that doesn't paint your ancestry in the best picture. Sometimes you realize, oh, you know, times were different in 1800
0: and people thought
2: things differently.
0: Absolutely. That's why we don't have kings and queens in America anymore.
2: (laughs) Right. That's the general idea.
0: Yeah. And
1: it's also not only about the Bible or religious uh, books, but also nowadays we have banned books that are just came out let's say last year or two years ago and mm-hmm. so it's the the same concept, concept. Right, very
2: much the same concept and um, and i'm glad i'm so glad you brought up banned books because i'm a member of the american library association mm-hmm. and the american library association tracks how many books are challenged or banned in any given year and this past year more books have been challenged in the united states than any other year
0: what which, does he says, what does he says to you as a librarian what does he says to you as a, as the United States? What? it's terrifying it's terrifying, right?
2: it's terrifying because you know there's how many bu- I don't know how many books are published in a given year but you know there's books I like to read there's books that are like oh, that's not my topic I don't want to read it but for somebody else that may be exactly the book they want, And it's maybe the one they need. Maybe it's the one that their children need in order to help them understand their world or who they are. So being able to access those books is extremely important. And if you personally don't like a book, don't read it.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
2: You don't have to read it. You don't have to buy it. You can, as a parent, you can say to your child, I don't think that book's appropriate for you. I don't want you to read it. That's fine. That's great. But I don't think we should be making those decisions for other people's families. Yes, I agree with that. Uh,
0: absolutely. Especially in a country that claims that is the, the land of the free. And the exactly. The brave. Maybe if you are in a different country, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's the rule of the law in the King James times that no books to read. That's okay for them. But when you are in a different type of country then and you encounter those uh, booking banning, um it's kind of a very eyebrows raising.
2: Very much so. And traditionally in history, whenever you see a country that is starting to ban a lot of books, it's usually starting something like Nazi Germany. There was a tremendous amount of book banning that went on in the 1930s, early 1940s in Germany that didn't turn out so well for them. It was a bad idea. Um, we're seeing it now in Russia. There's a tremendous amount of censorship and banning. That's also... Not a good thing. So Nostradamus,
0: Nostradamus right was persecuted. Nostradamus was persecuted, persecuted yes. for his books and for his readings. And the witches back in time, they also were persecuted because they were reading books. So people who had more knowledge was categorized as a witch because they were wiser, wiser people, you know. Mm-hmm. So then the, the governments or the rulers or the tyrants back then, they didn't want the regular people to become knowledgeable it's smart because then they will wake up right we'll find out how the business is do- going and then the, their, their empire may crumble
2: yeah and it changes the balance of power so i think one of the leading tenets of democracy is being able to have an open flow of information and it has to be transparent it has to be available to everyone whether it's government policies or laws or letters that are held in an archive or books that are published and held in a library. Um, that way, I mean, the principle of democracy is basically saying that we trust people to be smart enough to make up their own minds, but they have to have information upon which they can make those decisions. And if they don't have access to the information, they can't make a good decision.
0: Yes, both sides, both, both sides. Uh, like government to... is
1: afraid because knowledge is power. Yeah. So they don't want you to be too smart that's why probably they are doing the are books
0: yeah because imagine that the pastor with the chips you know imagine the pastor with the chips and then he moves the chips go up and down and then he sends the the shepherd you know the shepherd with the chips moving the chips in the mountains and then he sends the, the dog you know go and move the chips from one side to another side but then imagine those sheep uh, start thinking and reading books and what are they doing? Oh my goodness. <laughs> and you have literate sheep really fast exactly. that way. Yeah, so it's, it keeps spreading out. You know, one sheep keeps spreading out all the information and then the, the, the shepherd start worrying. Oh my goodness, my business is going down. Everybody's yeah. moving to another place.
2: I read a really good um, article this morning and I'm trying to remember who wrote it. But his basic premise was that the idea is that you don't want everybody in the room to agree with you. What you want is enough of a free flow of ideas so that you surround yourself by the smartest people, whether it's a president or a business leader or anything like that. You're not, you don't want people just to come along and say, oh, yes, you're right, you're right. You want people to challenge you and be able to say, do you really think that's a good idea? Do you really want to do that? And so the idea is to have the, the smartest people But not necessarily all of the same mindset
0: absolutely and it's just the basics in your family not all your brothers and sisters are the same and think exactly like you you fight with your brother you fight you argue with your sister you pull your hair here and there but at the end you love each other and you all follow a cause with the family together and then have a better household you know a happy household and enjoy Mm -hmm. trips together and all the stuff even they listen different type of music or read different types of books. So why the country and its population cannot do the same? Yeah, the it, would be a,
2: it would be a great idea if we did. And yeah. and um, when you mentioned like with families, um, we have seven children. And wow. so-
0: Congratulations. Thank,
2: family. thank you, it's been, it's been a wonderful blessing. And so as I raised those, they all had different tastes in music, they liked to do different sports, they had different interests. And I learned so much from them from their different interests, where things I music I never would have listened to if they hadn't listened to it first. Exactly. Um, and it's been very much of a growing experience for me, but it's been very enriching as well. So it's the same with the books actually. people who say
1: "I'm not going to read that book because I'm not interested, but maybe they gave a try. It will be the same thing. Oh, I will never pick up this kind of book. But then they may be surprised.
2: Exactly.
1: Books. It's, it's also narrowing our mind, but our point of view. But also, you know, it's it's like many people think it's it's not a good idea. So I don't know why the books are banned. Mm-hmm. And yeah, in the library right. Right, It should be a school library, maybe more than regular library, public mm-hmm. library, but in schools, they ban books and kids, there are different kids in schools, they're interested it's... in different things. So, so.
2: And they are. And, and, you know, I would like to think that all children come from homes where they have loving parents that are going to encourage them to be themselves. But that's not always the case. You know, sometimes kids go off in a different direction than their parents. And And for them to be able to find themselves in a book and have a character that they relate to is most studies have shown that's that's a good thing. It helps validate a child. Um, But it's also the case, like you say, you you find another type of book that you're interested in that you didn't realize. Um, My mother, when I grew up, my mother loved to read history and she loved to read mysteries. Mm -hmm. I like to read history. I only recently have I started reading mysteries. Mm-hmm. but i like it but i didn't earlier but and
1: of me i wouldn't pick up science fiction books but now <laughs> i love them <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's the same thing
2: and it's fun and your life becomes richer and better and i don't know i don't remember who said the quote but you know the idea of a great mind is that you can study an idea you don't have to embrace it
0: yes. it's, it's like there is a there is a, a, a saying that a great library has something in it to offend everyone I like that one. That's a good one. Yeah, I know you like it. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me more about the new wave of library uh, implementation, like remodernization that is Mm -hmm. happening throughout the country with Texas, with Oklahoma, with the new modernizing libraries to attract readers and to make them more friendly Uh, why why is that happening and since when is that happening
2: it's it's always been evolving and as technology changes libraries continue to evolve with them um i think it's about 20 years ago people started saying oh with everything going digital now libraries will just die out and that hasn't happened um libraries now are going more to digital content they're having more streaming services more um up-to-date access where i work at a college library it's been a wonderful blessing because we're and we live in a very remote area in the western part of virginia near the blue ridge mountains it's gorgeous absolutely gorgeous the west side of virginia we're in the western side of virginia yeah
0: okay the appalachian trail Mm
2: -hmm. right by the appalachian trail
0: so you can walk you can walk to canada right
2: if, if I really wanted to walk for 2000 miles, yes, I could,
0: okay, good. it would
2: be gorgeous. It would be a beautiful height, nice. but, um, but it's fun because for our students, if we don't have a book and we're a small school. So if we don't have a book in our library, I can send an email to the university of Virginia or to even to Harvard and say, our, we have a student that'd like to access this article. We don't hold it. And they will send it to an electronic copy of us, or it's interlibrary loan process. We have a, these little make sure all the copyright and all those legalities are met. But, but then our student can access it usually within a few hours. And so those kinds of technology services that libraries can provide now are fantastic.
1: Mm-hmm. Even the ebooks uh, books e mm-hmm. that people can borrow from the library. Maybe right. they, instead of you can be at home you don't even have to leave your house in order to get a book you just order it uh, online request it Mm -hmm. online exactly and you get ebook and you can read
2: and And it's available and it was wonderful during covid too that was a wonderful blessing for a lot of people because you could still receive content the other thing that a lot of particularly public libraries are involved with in their communities are um access to be able to sit down access the internet for people who for whatever reason don't have access to that at home either because of cost or they're in an area that doesn't have internet access Um, and that's really it's a great equalizer for people that you know you need to do a job application but how do you do that if you don't have internet yes so libraries are able to provide that service and be able to help people in that way
0: too and since you have a position for 10 years, uh, are you worried that it's uh, going to uh, decay uh, the situation with the library or the books in America? Or if there is a room for improvement so everybody can read whatever they want and express?
2: Yeah, there's there's always room for improvement, right? We can always do better. Yeah.
0: Um,
2: in Virginia right now, we are concerned with some of the um, the challenges to a lot of books that we're seeing and a lot of things from various counties that are trying to not only ban books from schools or challenge them, but also try to prosecute librarians for having those books in their library. I think that's really terrifying. It is. Uh, that's, yeah. that's not a good thing.
0: It's like um, I'm, I'm hunting for, for uh, Nostradamus again.
2: Yeah, it, it's, it would, it's kind of the same thing of saying, you know, I don't think people should eat sugar therefore i'm going to sue a grocery store because they carry candy bars
0: absolutely you know it
2: doesn't make sense
0: it doesn't make sense
2: yeah
0: so and especially if it's a public funded library
2: right and most libraries are most public libraries are publicly funded um and they try very very sincerely and very hard to provide services and materials for the people in their communities
0: absolutely yeah so tell us more about your job uh, on the, at the university. Because I okay. see that you, uh, apart from the librarian, you are an archivist as well, certified <laughs> archivist. Am I correct? Yes, it's archivist. So Archivists. When, uh, when, when that, when that, when that seed was placed on your head that you say, okay, I'm going to become a certified archivist because I love to collect stuff or to put <laughs> aside. Or how that, so how somebody becomes an archivist?
2: Yeah, that kind of that was something that kind of came in through the back door for me. Um, I like history. I like understanding not just the dates of when did this battle take place, mm-hmm. but the what was going on in people's minds. Why did they decide to do what they did? Mm-hmm. And I've always been fascinated by that. So um, I was working in an entirely different field. I was working in, as a real estate investor and consultant and real estate broker back in two thousand eight when. Everything fell apart and we had a recession. And that was a bad business to be in at the time. Didn't go so well. (laughs) So I went back to college and I got a master's degree in library science. Mm -hmm. And while I was studying that, I became more and more interested in the preservation of records and the preservation of history. And archivists and a lot of what I do is, you know, we've touched a little bit on politics. Archives really need to be outside of politics. You know, we're not trying to decide who's right or who's wrong. Mm -hmm. An archives is just a place to preserve what happened, preserve the letters. So historians can go and look at it and they can write what they want to write about it. So part of what I do with archives is the preservation of content, but also helping students because I am at a college. So helping students research in the archives. And so they have done research on all kinds of things, even from Like most colleges, buildings have changed their purpose over time. So, for example, we have one building on our campus that when it was originally built, it was the gymnasium. It had a swimming pool in it. Mm -hmm. And as time evolved and that swimming pool deteriorated with age, they've repurposed that building now into being a student center and a student union. So I had a group of students that were working on a business project and they wanted to show how Buildings and businesses can go into a neighborhood and regentrify and upscale buildings. And so we went through and we found old pictures of the building, what it looked like in 1950, um, things like that, and then see how it had changed over time. And then they were able to use that in their paper and say, mm-hmm. This is an example. So a lot of what I do is things like that, it's helping students. Um, or members, you mentioned members of the community coming in earlier. Um, Our school, we took over um, from the campus, used to house a girls preparatory school back in the early 1900s through about the 1980s when not so many people wanted to go to all girls school. And then it shifted and came under its current iteration, current um, direction. So it had a, a change in 1996 of ownership and mission but we still have the records from this previous girl's school. And one day I had an elderly gentleman walk in the door and he said, I have this picture of my mother from like 1940. And from the building in the background, I think it was here, but I don't, my mother died when I was 16. I don't know anything about her. And so we went down in the archives and we were able to find in the yearbooks and the school newspapers, a lot about his mother, you know, that she played on the tennis team, that she liked to hike, you know, like they put in yearbooks, you know, most likely to become, you know. And so he was able to get to know his mother in a way that he had never known her when she was alive.
0: Wow.
2: And it was beautiful. Wow. And we were all crying. It was beautiful, you know, but it was it was so neat to be able to connect people with their past and their own personal stories. So, so.
0: you find that like a, a sort of double H sword, because sometimes you find when you look into your past, sometimes you don't find a very pretty picture of that. So that
2: happens. (laughs) Yeah, that happens
0: all the time. So what do you think about that? It's it's like, oh, sorry, life is.
2: Yeah, I think I think the thing with that is to remember, like you do. You do find things about your your college, about your family. Sometimes when you look in your own family letters, Your country, all these things. We do find things that we look at our past, and we're like, "That wasn't so great." Yes. But two things with that. One is, I think you have to own it. You have to say, "Yes, it happened." Exactly. You you, you can't deny it. Yeah. You know, in the United States, we can't say there never was slavery. There was slavery. Yeah, and you can't. You can't
0: write about it. You have to do something to either, uh, you know, fix it or uh, make sure that never happens again.
2: Exactly. And by studying it, you can make sure it doesn't happen again. Mm -hmm. You can look at it. You can see what led up to it. The other thing, though, that archives do is it can put it in context. And you can realize that um, the people that might have been involved with that, they lived in a different time. Mm -hmm. This is what they were taught. It doesn't mean they were right. But you have to give them enough space and enough grace for it to say they did the best with what they knew at the time.
0: Is that right
2: or wrong? And. (laughs) So my job isn't really to judge them. It's just to help put it in context and say, this is what was going on
0: in the world at the time. It depends under which ruler they were living.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very much so. And, and exactly. I, you know, I, I like to think sometimes, you know, people are going to look at us 100 years from now and say, I can't believe you did this thing. But for us, that was just what an everyday life was. And maybe we don't even think about it.
0: And and even 50 years ago, there are many things that America has done, great things that they are very proud, Americans as Americans, very proud of things that they have done, that they have achieved compared to the rest of the world.
2: Mm -hmm. Very much. And I like to think, too, that we're evolving. You know, I'm not the same person I was 20 years ago. You're not the same person you were 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. We've all changed and we've grown and countries change and grow, too absolutely so I, I don't want anybody to look at what I did when I was 20 years old and say well that's who she was for the rest of her life that would be terrible
0: <laughs> I, I, know, I know exactly and especially when we were having fun uh, when we were 18 or 19 committing uh, kind of stupid ads you know right shouldn't be blamed today about that all right yeah. so we got um, uh, two minutes left and then the last two minutes uh, we want you to tell us uh, Whatever you want to say to the Aladino podcast. Oh, hey, well,
2: well, thank you so much for having me here. I appreciate it. It's wonderful. Um, I appreciate the chance to talk about archives. And just remember that when you look at things with our own family, it's wonderful to keep those memories and to keep them alive and keep them alive for future generations so that, you know, our kids or grandkids or great grandkids can look back and know who we are
0: yes absolutely Absolutely. we thank you very much for being part of the aladino podcast to bring that information your life experience uh, your profession talking to us and also things that we didn't know about the archives and now we know where the geneva bible is so we go and take a peek of it although the geneva bible Copies are on the internet all over if you want to buy a copy. Or they
2: are. You can probably find it on Google Books. I mean, if you just want to look at it, it's probably on
0: Google Books. You yeah, yeah, better <laughs> see it in person. That would be great. So now you know where world. to it's go in person and uh, talk to Stephanie D. Hardy. Mrs. Hardy, uh, thank you very much for being on the Aladino Podcast. It's a great pleasure to have you here.
2: Thank you. It's good to see you.
0: Good to see you. Bye-bye for now.
2: Bye-bye. Yeah. E Amém.